Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Not One of Your Little Friends with your host, Sierra Cross, and... I am Tanya Cross, a.k.a. Mama Cross. Hello, guys. We're back for another episode after our comeback episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Um... This episode, um, I guess we're going to start the conversation off about a recap for Mother's Day. Did you enjoy your Mother's Day? My Mother's Day was wonderful. We did a mountain retreat. My husband hosted a mountain retreat for myself, his mother, my mother, and his older sister. So it was fun. Did you have fun, Sierra? I had fun. It was very fun and relaxing. And it got me prepared for the crappy week that I had. Say <laughs> the crappy following week. Yeah. How, what did you think about the house, guys? He rented a house. Um, what did, did he get back the Airbnb or no? No, no. It was somebody he knew personally. Oh, okay. There. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about the house here? I thought the house was really nice. It was really nice. I liked it. It gave very much bougie, rustic vibes. Yeah, did sense. you? I liked it better than the house we rented when we went to Destin because I felt like this house, the mountain mm-hmm. house, was more of a home, and the Destin house had a more of a rental. Feel. I mean, mm-hmm. like it was designed for rental. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It really didn't have a home feel, but this particular house had more of a home feel. Even though it's a rental property, mm-hmm. it still had more of a homey feel to it. I thought it was an Airbnb, so <laughs> I didn't get that home feel. But that's nice that you got that vibe. You didn't get a homey, more homey <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that. He hadn't gotten it through Airbnb. Oh, okay. So that's what's okay. okay. But yeah, it's not officially like uh, listed, I don't think. I think we were, were their first guests. They doing a test run. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was really nice. I like the decor. It was a lot of white and gold. Yeah, but I think they used the, like, chose a neutral decor mm. for decorating purposes, make it easier to decorate. Yeah, had a telescope that we couldn't figure out how to use. <laughs> <laughs> I had a telescope. We can't figure out how to use a telescope. But the views were just beautiful. I think my favorite part about the whole trip was the escape room. Our escape room adventure. That was my favorite part. <laughs> I just, that was my favorite part, too. I learned stuff about my family members that I didn't know. Yeah. Because we were locked in a room together. <laughs> That was great. It was fun. Of course, guys, FYI, Sierra took the lead. And, and I don't feel like I took the lead. Yes, I feel did. like everybody did their part and everybody contributed in their own little way. We still didn't escape. In time, though. <laughs> I feel like we worked together. Yeah, I think we worked, we worked well together. We did good. We did good. But um, Sierra... Has given me the reins on this episode. She said I can take the lead. So, um, one of the topics I wanted to cover uh, relating to current events 
is the Buffalo, New York um, grocery store shooting that recently took place. And the shooter, one of the things noted in his manifesto was... He had a manifesto? Yes! He so, had like, this was planned? Yes. One of the things mentioned in his manifesto was race replacement theory. What's race replacement theory? It's this ideology that white people are being replaced by immigrants and other people of color that they're, I guess, in a sense, their needs when you are say, not a priority. <laughs> when, <laughs> not necessarily needs, but their 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 position in the U.S. is not not necessary priority. That's probably a wrong word, but not as high as it has been because they feel like they're being replaced by. Uh, immigrants and non and people of color. When you say the word replace, though, like like opportunities, um, various opportunities, whether it's job opportunities. So um, you say that, and what I hear is it is becoming more fair and equal. Exactly for everybody. It's, exactly, which don't put them on the top priority list anymore so that they so this is telling me that they know they are on the top priority list so all this stuff about oh it's it's equal it's the same it's not they even know that's that's not true correct and i never really thought about it like that but you're right that lets you know that that equality and equity is in in a sense, because in some areas it does exist. I feel like it does exist. Very few areas, but in some mm. areas it does exist. But it, we definitely have plenty, plenty of room to grow across the board. And so these people don't want that growth to happen. Exactly. Exactly. But that was mentioned in his his manifesto. Hmm. Yeah, so. so okay, because I mean, well, I really okay. When I heard about the story, the main things that I heard, and again, this is coming from social media <laughs> and people commenting on social media. Um, I did read uh, one article um, and that was because I was seeing so much stuff on social media. I was like, okay, what happened? But I didn't realize he had a manifesto, but I knew that essentially he walked into the grocery store Mm -hmm. armed and um, killed specifically black people um one of the other things that i read about was the fact that essentially the 
police department in that area kind of knew that this was going to happen and didn't put proper protocols into place to prevent it from happening. Um, and so there was a debate as far as people felt like the police didn't do their job because the group he was trying to target were black people. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. I mean, I know as time goes on, I'm sure this this story going to continue to unfold and we're going to learn more new things about it, but I was not aware of that. That's interesting. Okay. Wow. It, the way that because I, I have, I heard about it. First, I heard about it on a podcast that I listened to. Mm-hmm. And basically, the way that they were putting out the information was that the police could have done something about this. Well, did you hear about the 911 call? What 911 call? <laughs> One of the people in the grocery store made a 911 call, and the 911 person hung up on them, talk, asking them, why are you whispering? Yes, so that's why I say as time go on, um, I think this story is going to continue to develop and we're going to find out more and more stuff about what took place and what people knew Mm -hmm. previously, you know, before all this happened and ways that it could have been prevented. But yeah, someone in the grocery store made a 911 call and she was whispering and the the, uh, 911 person was like, why are you whispering? She's like, it's an active shooter here in the grocery store and I don't want them to hear me. Mm -hmm. And apparently she got frustrated with the caller and hung up. So... Does this person still have a job? Damn... (laughs) How, oh my god! They, this person has been placed on leave. I think they on. I don't think they got fired as of yet, as I know of. But they have been placed on leave, and they're investigating the situation. How do you? But to me, like, but that's you, your one and only job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, how you be? How can you have a job as a nine one one caller and? Because to me, you would think they get people that call that's trying to be discreet. Yeah. A lot. And I just find it, it baffles me that the caller was frustrated by the fact that the person was whispering. But Especially if they preface that information with the fact that there's an active shooter and they ain't trying to get shot. Like... Oh Jesus! No, I did not. I did not hear that part. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And um, your dad was sharing with me how he saw a video where um, the shooter, because the shooter actively recorded the whole the whole thing, and on the video he saw a clip of the video where he ran into some white people in the store. He was getting ready to shoot them. He said, "Oh, I'm sorry," and kept going. Like so, he went in there with the intent. So we don't have a conversation about white terrorism. Exactly, um, because he went in there with the intent of killing black people, and I don't know why mainstream media have a problem 
using, even using the term white terrorists. Like, they, they, they would say domestic terrorists. They would say, but they have a problem identifying that the person is white. Um, they have a problem saying... Because nobody... <laughs> nobody in America wants to call a thing a thing. That's the whole reason why they're so upset about critical race theory. Because it's calling a thing a thing. I, I, I believe it. They, the powers that be, I agree. They don't want to call a thing a thing. But I really feel like until we address it and and name it for what it really is... It's going to forever be an issue. It's going to forever be a a problem. I mean, because now black people can't even go to the grocery store no more. I, I mean, they can go to the grocery store, but not without concern or reservations that some deranged, crazy white person feel like they being replaced and they're going to eliminate what they feel like is the problem. You know, another, of them being replaced. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, another discussion that I've been hearing here and there from social media and the different podcasts I listen to is essentially this got less media coverage than the Oscar situation, and that being a whole nother discussion. Why? Is black on black violence talked about so dramatically, and and the longevity of it, but then something like this happens, and those same people that are outraged about that aren't also outraged about, about white on black violence. But I mean, we already know the answer to that. But yeah, we know the answer to that, Steve. It's. It's 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 just the mainstream media's way and ability, which is a shame they have that ability to control the narrative. To control Well, I mean, I will say the podcast that I listen to more so focused on celebrity outrage. Like you have celebrity outrage from white celebrities about this, but those same celebrities weren't outraged that innocent people got gunned down. And that's ten times worse than somebody getting slapped. Right. I concur. I just... It makes me not want to go outside. I don't know. I don't know how else... I don't know how else to say that. It makes me not want to go outside. And I know that's not the type of thinking that I should have, but that's where I'm at. I already don't want to go outside because people are trash. Now this makes me not even want to go outside even more. But but in that same vein, we can't allow fear because that's the whole purpose of it is to fear to generate fear to create chaos and we can't allow fear to control us and determine how we move i think we should use caution 
But I don't think we should allow allow it to limit us. Does that make sense? I think as people of color that it's time for us. It's it's apparent. <laughs> it's very apparent that we're kind of on our own kind of thing. And we need to form some kind of coalition or something and figure out, you know, what we need to do or how we need to move forward in this country. Because there's there's an attack on our mere existence. I mean, and, and the thing about that, though, the sad thing about that, though, this ain't new. No. You know, this is not new. This been going on for over 400 years. But I guess it's new in a sense that we're experiencing it mm-hmm. firsthand. It's not like... It's not a secondhand story that you hear. Right. Like you get you you seeing it all in your face. In your lifetime. In your lifetime. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause you hear about the Tulsa stories and them burning down everything in Durham and all that. But yeah, this is But now it's it's a I think for for my generation and your generation it's a re it's our reality, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause like your grandmother, she experienced it during segregation, you know, and knew. But, but this is I, I guess our generation's experience with white supremacy and the and the real and the reality of it and the impact. That it has on this nation. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Whew. But we are actively working towards solving these issues. How? By voting. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great segue <laughs> into uh, next. And y'all, and, and us laughing is not in no means minimizing what happened to these people. But for people of color, I think laughter is our way of not crying. Laughter is our way of dealing with 400 years of trauma. Like... You and laugh like to not cry. You try know? to deal with the drama, the trauma head on. The more pushback <laughs> there is, because right. I feel like one of the ways to deal with trauma is to teach what happened, so that history does not repeat Peter itself. Self. But they don't even want to teach the history. Exactly. So we can't do it that way. Okay, well then, let's arm ourselves. We arm ourselves, we get in trouble that way. Because everybody can't have a permit if you go through the proper channels of getting a permit. I had people come to my window all the time trying to get their 
gun permit license reinstated. And my frustration with that is, along with other frustrations that I have with my job in the courthouse, is nobody has yet to lay out the steps so that I can walk somebody else through the steps. Anytime I get somebody to come to my window and I'm trying to help them even do the paperwork, even I get the runaround as to where I need to send them. And I work there. So it's just like... So why do you think they don't want these individuals to get the gun permits? Why are they making it difficult I don't think that they don't necessarily want them to get it. It's just that's the the culture of the courthouse that I work at is let's just drop this problem off to somebody else so I don't have to deal with it. Or, I don't think it's isolated to your courthouse. I think it's it's a part of the system. The system is set up to make things difficult. The system is set up to make things not easily accessible with the hopes that people get frustrated and just say, forget it. I really do believe that that's a part of it. I really do believe that. Because my thing is, why tell people that they can get their gun rights restored, but then not give everybody in the courthouse a layout of how they're supposed to do that so we can direct people properly? Right. Now, are these people like f- former felons or something? I mean, how, why, there's, how, there's, how? there's different reasons as to why your gun rights can be taken away. Okay. One of gotcha. them is because of criminal matters. Another reason could be you were at some point in time deemed incompetent. You just got your competency back. So now you can go through the process of restoring all of these rights. But even with that, like, you got to get your stuff through the judicial hospitalization people and then file the paperwork with them and then do... It's a a lot! (laughs) And, and And, like, I get... With certain situations, I get why it's a lot. It's a lot, right? I because you want to make sure that. that when people are restoring their rights, that they really do have the competency to, to do, do these it. things again, right? Because you don't want crazy people slip through the cracks either, right? Right. I get it. And no, let's just say <laughs> challenge, mini challenge. <laughs> okay. I'm I don't sorry. like the c word. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not crazy. I take that back. But, like, people who have mental issues or have gone through breakdowns, but now they on their medicine and they good again. Like, you don't... You want to make sure they good good. Yeah. I I get it. But to the same extent, they letting these white people do whatever the heck they want, whether they mentally capable or not. So it's right. just like that's that's another question that's come up with this whole thing that I to my knowledge as of today I I'm not aware it's been answered yet. As an 18 year old, first of all, how did he get access and how was he able to purchase um, body armor and the w- weapon that he had, and why when he purchased it a Something wasn't flat saying, okay, this person is purchasing body armor. Why? 
Why would this because individual those checks and balances are not in honor. place currently, and they don't want those checks and balances in place because then you have to hold people accountable, accountable. and they don't want to be held accountable for anything. Okay, nothing. You're right. You're right. See, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the answer. <laughs> I'm sorry to yell, but that that's the bottom line. Nobody wants to be held accountable for anything at all. Because then you have to deal with the real issue, and that takes work. And, and that's nobody another wants thing. to put in the work. Nobody wants to put in the work. Why? Because that's going to take time and effort and money. Right. Because if we really did the work, we would have taken the money from the police and put it in the other things to put in place to help with all these checks and balances. They don't want to do that. Because then if you look if you look at the police and you take the money from the police and you put in checks and balances and it actually works, then you're gonna be looking like why we need all this money for the military. It's gonna start to hold people accountable and they don't want none of that to happen. Because right now the status quo is working out for enough people. No. It's working out for white, white people. people. Let's call a thing a thing. Okay, like you said, we're going to say it, say it, it's working out for white people. White people, that's in, not, and for all my white people say, but it ain't helping me. Not all white people, but white people that's in positions of power. Because at the end of the day, that 18 year old boy was the pawn. For a white person in power. And he gonna take the fall. For somebody. Else. Because at the end of the day. All of us that that ain't in that 1%. We all getting. effed over. (laughs) I mean you know. At the end of the day, it don't matter what your economic status is. It don't matter what your race is. It don't matter. It, you still get F over by the 1%. And, and, and that was, that's another thing that frustrates me is why those individuals can't see that. Like, are you so blinded by racism that you can't even see? No, no, no. It's the accountability thing. What you mean? If you, break you, it down. If you, if you go through that and you actually pay attention to what's happening, then you got to hold people that look like you accountable and tell them that th- what they're doing is wrong. Okay. But you don't want to tell them that they're wrong. Because for some reason, you still think that if I let these people who look like me do what they are doing, eventually I can get to the point where I can do that too. So it's all about money, power, money and power at the end of the day. Listen, and then for somebody like me who was just like, if all of this is happening, then what's the effing point? (laughs) I'm just sitting here like, bro. What? Because it's a lot. And then, you know, I know we this wasn't on our agenda to talk about, but it's a lot of people of color becoming expats. Like, they're like, 
After this, we going to another country. We moving Listen, from the U.S. That's a yes. thing on TikTok, bro. I'm telling you. That is a thing. That's like a trend on TikTok of, of black people reporting, not necessarily reporting, but essentially saying how great they're doing in other countries and what are now what's now being deemed safe countries for black people to move to and prosper. Mexico's one. Which I was surprised by because anytime I hear about Mexico, cartel, dangerous. Don't go there. Right, but that's that's another... I mean, not saying that the cartel don't exist. I'm not saying that, but I think that's another way of controlling the, the narrative. Making... Using fear as a mechanism... To keep people trapped in a situation. So we moving to Mexico. Because I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> because these black women out here look like they prospering. And I want some of that. It's definitely something to think about. It really is. Definitely something to think about. And then, you know... And then, and then the whole thing about going back to replacement theory. We gonna move on, but going back to the replacement race replacement theory, like the whole logic of the concept don't even make sense because you're 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 an immigrant yourself. You're not an original American. So what? They don't. I don't even understand. They don't look at it like that. I don't even understand why you feel like you're being replaced. This is not even your country in the beginning. Like this country belonged to the Native Americans. Listen, I know that. You know that. They know that too. You're not gonna tell me they They, don't know that. that. You're not gonna tell me they don't know that. So, sir, ma'am. Ignorance is bliss, man. Like, that saying is so true. Ignorance is bliss. If you act like, if you act oblivious and ignorant to the things that you don't want to deal with, you don't have to stress out about those things. Ignorance is bliss. They choosing to act like they don't know because ignorance is bliss. It really is. If I go through a whole day of not knowing how to do things, people are going to do it for you. Ignorance is bliss. Mm. Moving on to black girl magic. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about these um, newly um, primary winners that we have. Yeah, back North to Carolina. our voting matters point. <laughs> That we have in North Carolina. Um, congratulations to um, Sherry Beasley on Amen. her North Carolina U.S. Senate race nomination, you representing go, um, the Democratic Party. You go, girl! Um, shout out to Senator Senator Valerie Foshe, hey. who won her primary you for go, the North girl. Carolina Four Congressional. Uh, District, um, yeah, so the article um, I recently read was saying how more 
black women at record numbers are running for political positions. Because if we don't do it, who gonna do it? <laughs> Nobody. So we might as well do that too. Okay. <laughs> and they're having success. They're having success. A lot of them are first time, um, this their first time experience and running for a political office, and they're having success. You so, know why they're having success? Why? Because when you see a black woman, regardless of who you are, you see a black woman and you see reassurance. You see a black woman, you see safety. Hmm, interesting. People don't want to admit that, but that's a fact. It's been a fact since slavery. As much as they try to downplay us and say that we loud and ratchet and angry. If we there, they know something going to get done. Mm, interesting. And, and I agree. I concur. But like you said, I don't think they would admit that. But subconsciously, they know that. And when I say they, I'm speaking about white people. Let me... I, I'm I'm gonna keep it keep it. What you say? See, call a thing a thing. Mm-hmm. Because when I walk into a room, because black full people of, know that. Yeah, when I walk into a and room full of white people, I'm that. nervous. I'm nervous, but they not nervous because they like, oh, black person, let's go see what they're doing. But I'm nervous. They gravitate to us, whether they like it or not. They gravitate to us. Right. So you see a black woman who is saying she gonna fix things and she gonna help you and your family. Why wouldn't you vote for her? Right, but they're having success and like I say, I think in 2021, if I read correctly, if, don't quote me on this audience, but I think like 117, this is across the board um, in the U.S., um, black women... I ran for political office. So in this primary, I didn't I couldn't find a number on this primary, this current twenty twenty two primary, how many black women are running for office across the board in the mm-hmm. US. But they said that it's it's an increase. The numbers have increased. It's a significant so it, increase. It's a significant increase. And you know, you think about um we have a new there's a new black mayor in um Durham. Um, North Carolina. My Google says she's been there since 2021. Yeah, so Elaine O'Neill is, mm-hmm. is her name. Go, and I go. found, in my research, I found that she has an all-women governance board as well. You go, girl. The first all-women governance board in North Carolina. So, like, women are running the city of Durham. <laughs> Basically, women are running the city of Durham. So, I mean, um, I'm proud of them. I I congratulate them. It makes me want to see, like, it makes me want to see how, what, 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 what is that city going to look like a year from now if they really do the things that they're trying to do? Right. And that's another thing that the article that I read was saying that, these women that are running and winning are aggressively progressive candidates. 
Meaning they're just not getting elected just to have a title. Mm -hmm. They're actually doing the work and getting things done. Because. And getting things taken care of. Like, they're not figure. Basically, they're not figureheads. They are actually doing the work and getting things done and getting things taken care of and getting things, you know, in place. Because if we don't do it, who else going to do it? To, to... They basically just paving the way for future women to build. And that's another thing. Build on. They, they paving the, the way for women, period. Not just black women, which is what a white woman. Not, let me say that. Let me not say that. Because you don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that. But historically speaking. Okay. <laughs> okay. Historically speaking. White women have paved the way for other white women. I. I, These I women are paving the way for all women. And I've, I've experienced that personally. I've experienced that personally. So I, I can speak from that on, from a personal perspective. They like to say that it's for all women. But let's be real. Yeah. But again, we're going to see what's going What is the picture going to look like in here? Two years for the city, for the city of Durham. But like these women are getting things done, and um, so and even I really don't want to bring this up because I can't remember the representative um, name. We got Google from. Go ahead and bring uh, it up. (laughs) She represents. uh, Is it the Virgin Islands? And the, the black lady, the real tall. She a senator from the Virgin Islands, or yeah, uh, yeah, she in North Carolina's um, black woman that's a um, in the Senate. Virgin. Uh, but anyway, she was the only. Um, one that was really willing to call a thing Stacey a thing. Stacey E. Pulaskit. What's what what? She is a congresswoman. She a congresswoman. Serving the Virgin Islands of the United States. Oh, she's a bad black woman. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah, that's her. That's her. That's okay. her. That's her. But Do she it was with class and style. <laughs> I see you, sir. Yeah, she was the one. One of the people. Willing to call a thing a thing, you know, because they're... I'm sorry, but this website she got is, is everything. It, it really the is. The Congress is, is addressing, since the Buffalo shooting, they're, you know, addressing this issue. And she was one of the few people that was willing to call a thing a thing and saying, look, you know, this this uh, race replacement theory. We have congressional members. We have elected officials Mm. that support this Mm -hmm. and we need to call them out because they're 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 supporting and advocating this type of behavior and they need to be called out and addressed and she she named some names in um, that's what i was talking about (laughs) call them out put them on front street right now i mean she's naming names in media like you know people on fox news that's 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 supporting this theory, you know, she's, and that's, that's the value of having black women in 
political. That's one of the values of having black women in political positions. They are willing and unapologetically willing. The, the newer ones. I'm not saying some but of the old ones. Do you think that's because more, they have more support now? Than the old school ones that were back in the it's day? It's probably, they probably do have more support. Because I, don't get me wrong, the old school ones paved the way for the ones that's there now. Because the only person that, that comes to my mind is Shirley Chisholm. Shirley Chisholm. That well, was like really about, out there in your face. But don't forget about thing. Don't forget about Aunt Maxine too. Okay, okay. She'll call a thing a thing. She too. will call a thing a thing. You're right. You're right. You're but right. I feel like they paved those women, those black political leaders have paved the way for people like this young lady here mm. who feels the who has the boldness. How, how I want to get that right. Who has the boldness to call a thing a thing and and be unapologetic about it. You know what I'm saying? Her name is Stacy E. Plaskett. That's how you say that, right? P-L-A-S-K-E-T-T? I I think that's that's close. But I'm not sure because... The hair is laid to this picture. I'm just like, you better... Yeah, the but website yeah. is together. She got all of the things. <laughs> she got her ish together. Yeah, because she be wearing some nice suits too. Um, when she be presenting to um, okay, Miss Stacy, I see you. Yeah. I have to have to follow her on social media. Yeah, but anyway, but I think the people like you say, uh, Shirley Chisholm. Um, Auntie Maxine Waters. I think um, they paved the way for these other black women to have the confidence and the boldness. Let me ask you a question. To be so earlier, we talked about it's time now that we realize that we need to take care of things ourselves and form a correlation. I personally feel like this correlation needs to be headed by black women and not black men. And it's going to be people that have an issue with that. But I think black women are already doing it, though. Don't you? I mean, because it, at the end of the day, the, the way things are going to change I think it takes a lot of areas for things to change and be better in like economic development, stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. every every area has its role mm-hmm. and every area has its place. Mm-hmm. But until we can change things in Laos, mm-hmm. we're not necessarily change things in Laos because Laos already exists to support equity. And equality. So make them laws work for us. Right. It's just a matter of having people in place that's going to enforce the laws and make them equitable. Okay. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. The last thing, let's, the last thing that I would like to discuss with you personally. How do you feel about the... Roe versus Wade situation and that being 
I get what's the word? Um, it's not overturned. Challenge. I think I think it's a political move because we're in the twenty twenty two primaries. In twenty twenty four, we will be going through another election for a president. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a political ploy to rally. So you think it's a distraction? Yes. I think it's a political ploy to rally GOP constituents and get them stirred up and and inspired to make it to the polls in 2024. I think that's what that's all about. But ho- my hopes is that it will work on both sides. Like, you know, but, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand. Like, these people in these judicial appointments mm-hmm. that's making laws for the land, like, they have lifetime terms. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why, that's why I feel like voting, especially on the local level, is so important, Be, especially for these judicial positionings, like mm-hmm. these uh, these uh, district attorneys, mm-hmm. and, and, and because um, judges, mm-hmm. because these people have long terms. They do. And these people are making decisions on laws that affect your life, that can affect your life forever. Mm-hmm. Not just mm-hmm. <laughs> short term, I guess until somebody overturn it or try to change the law. But once something is in writing and once something is in law and once something is in black and white, it's, it's done. Yeah. And I think we need to be more conscious, a lot more conscientious of the people we elect and appoint in these positions. Well, we got to wrap this up because we're about to reach our 60-minute mark. Okay. Oh, my goodness. We've been talking that long. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. But, okay, see, wrap it up for us. Wrap it up for us. <laughs> You asked the wrong person to do that. Um, I just mean, take, we're talking just about highlight the the points. What what we want our audience to take away from this conversation? The future is black women. Yes, that's it. That's honey. it. Yes, honey. Yes, honey. <laughs> that's that's the wrap up. The future is black women. Either get with it or get lost. Boom. Boom. <laughs> All right, guys. See you next week. Bye.